Hey, Dan Talks listeners, welcome to a very special episode of Dan Talks because this week I'm talking to someone who shares my last name, Mary Van Note. No relation, but same spelling, same pronunciation, and same lived experience of having trouble filling out forms. I discovered Mary Van Note, who works in comedy, uh, because I was looking at, I was trying to search for my thesis in the UW library and so I like searched the catalog for author Van Note and up came Mary Van Note's Guide to Dating Mary Van Note. This was published in 2006 and it's a zine magazine zine zine I think a zine zine no zine like magazine um which is you know a small book usually made of, this is what I think it is, a small book made of paper stapled together. And uh, I got it through Interlibrary Loan, and uh, it was basically this really hilarious little comic book of Mary's experiences. And when I finally found her on the internet, I was so happy that she uh, said yes to being interviewed. And we talked uh, about our shared last name, but also her experience in comedy, which um, spans both performing and working behind the scenes. So, uh, before we get into the conversation, I want to shout out that Mary is supporting, um, she's currently fundraising for Bay Area Girls Rock Camp, which empowers girls and other gender nonconforming youth through music, promoting an environment that fosters self-confidence, creativity, and teamwork. If you don't like those things, what are you doing? Uh, Bay Area Girls Rock Camp challenges gender stereotypes, encourages collaboration and tolerance among peers, and provides a comfortable space for people of all backgrounds to express themselves through music lessons, workshops, group activities, and performances. Participants acquire skills that help guide them throughout their lives. So I put the fundraising link in the description of this episode. I encourage you to click it and give a couple bucks. Um, Also, she has a backstock of zines. If anyone is interested, those are also linked. uh, Well, actually, her Instagram is linked below. And um, you can just tap that and DM her um, and get your hands on some physical zines if you're interested. So without further ado, here is the hilarious, the lovely Mary Van Note. Mary Van Note. I'm Dan Van Note. Nice to meet you, Dan. (laughs) It's so nice to meet you. No relation, we think, right? I don't know. What do you think? Do you know of the main Van Notes or East Coast Van Notes? No, I think I went to a Van Note reunion and it was in Iowa. So I'm assuming that's where my Van Notes are mostly. I came across your Mary Van Note's guide to dating Mary Van Note because I was looking at UW Madison's like library page looking for my thesis that they have yet to deposit. And I was like, what is Mary Van Note's guide to dating Mary Van Note zine? Like, and it was at Columbia University and it was available through interlibrary loan. So I got it. Um, you made this in September of 2006. Tell me where you were and what you were doing. You have that. I, I don't even like recall like donating it to the library. I don't know how they got that. That's, but that's so cool that you found it. Um, Wow. So yeah, at the time I was doing stand-up comedy. And so, um, and I was really into 
you know, graphic novels and um, comics and zines. So at the time, I thought it would be a fun kind of like merch opportunity to create these little books and sell them after shows. And I ended up doing like some zine fests. Um, I thought it'd be like a cool co-promotional kind of like opportunity. Like maybe somebody will meet me through zines and then like see me do stand up. And I met like so many cool artists that way. I wanted the first table I tabled at. Um, I sat next to Julia Wirtz, who is this like amazing um, graphic novelist comics. Uh, I mean, she's she's got books published now and everything. And um, she was just so nice and kind. And, you know, we like traded our zines together. And, you know, um, so, yeah, it's just been a really cool really cool part of my life where I got to meet so many cool artists and writers and yeah in a way I kind of wish that I stuck with it more but you know as you could see it was just very like crude kind of like stick figures is all I could really do and this was during a New York era um oh no I never lived in New York I think I visited New York a couple times but uh no this is San Francisco okay because I was wondering how it ended up at Barnard I think it was Barnard's library. That's wild. Well, yeah, Seattle. Is that what? Because I did, uh, I remember I did donate it to like a Seattle zine library. So I don't know if that was somehow connected. Okay. And so you are on the West Coast now. Yes. Okay. So have you, did you grow up on the West Coast? Did you grow up in Iowa? I grew up on the West Coast. The Iowa thing was just like a random, like my family, I guess, was connected with some van notes out there. But it was actually a good experience to go out there because I was pretty young still. I think I was a barely a teenager. And just seeing like this small town that like there was like hardly anything to do, it de- definitely like made me appreciate living. So lucky to grow up like, yeah, in the Bay Area where there's just like so much cool stuff happening. Before I because I, I want to go, I have some highlights from the zine that I want to um, bring up. <laughs> um, but before that, um our last name is so like difficult (laughs) i know do you get the whole like people wanting to combine it into one word yes and thinking it's a middle name yes (laughs) and lowercase n i've gotten von v-o-n yeah it's it is it's a struggle but it's so cool it's It's such a cool cool last name. name It is so cool. I think people realize too that it's. Um, I heard a a comedian say it once that like if you have a three three word name, it's like more memorable and it's just like really stands out. Um, so I'm actually kind of sad. I actually, you know, I <laughs> I got married and I took my husband's last name, so I'm not really going by it anymore. So I do miss it, but yeah, like you said, it's a lot easier just to like have a one word last name that doesn't confuse everybody. And you didn't change it to your middle name. Well, yeah, I I could have tried to do that. But uh, the crazy thing too is one time um, I had a friend who, I don't know, I forget if they do this in every state, but the state will like hold money for people that isn't claimed. And I had money that wasn't claimed because they had spelled my name wrong. And it's like, I wouldn't have even found it if this friend of mine hadn't have like tried every, all the different misspellings of my name, but I found it and I got like 80 bucks or something. So 
And if some online forms don't let you do two words for a last name. And do you capitalize, in that case, you capitalize the N, right? And you make it one, or you used to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just never had someone to talk about this with who wasn't in my own family, so. Another fun thing, one time I met a real Dutch person. Uh-huh. Uh, and he, he, he um, told me how they actually pronounce it the proper way. And it would, he said it, like von Nota. That was the that's how you're supposed to really say it. Von Nota. Yeah. I thought wow. that was pretty cool. That is cool. And also, like my current partner thought that it was like a stage name. It's a great stage name. So when you were doing stand-up, were you like the I like I'm already coming to this with like a leg up, I have a great name? Yes, and people thought yeah exactly like you like it was a stage name that, or they thought yeah it's but it worked out because it was just so memorable um it's fun to say on stage people yeah definitely remember it um so there was one other mary van note that i i could she she got like mary van note on twitter before i could you know stuff like that you know like <laughs> so there was one other mary van note i've been competing with like with the uh, google <laughs> priority um, but yeah. But you're right with the three names. Sarah Jessica Parker, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, Mary Van Note, Dan Van Note, great names. 100%. Okay, let's dive into Mary Van Note's Scotch Dating, Mary Van Note from, um, I think, it, yep, September 2006. So I want to know if some of these um, still hold. So number five, ask me some questions. And you have a stick figure of the man with a bubble that says me, 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 me. Yes. It is definitely a pet peeve when you hang out, not even just with like a romantic, but just like anybody who don't ask you about your life or anything. Oh. It's wrong. It's, it's a big dating thing because I, back when I was dating on the market, I would, um, be nervous before a date and then think we'll just ask them about themselves people love talking about themselves but then if you do that some people it will be diane sawyer interview for an hour and a half yes i know it's like people love the opportunity to you know i think it's people maybe that don't go to therapy or something i don't know or just like want the attention um yeah well i guess sometimes people like in normal life people don't ask genuine questions often yeah yeah so i guess it's it, it's like uh, yeah uh i remember just at the time in dating that that was such a common occurrence you know with with dating too that um uh, guys talking about whatever career they had or you know <laughs> just could be so boring too um are you with someone now i am married yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. He was actually a fan of mine. So it like, it was kind of nice that to have somebody that uh, liked me for my comedy first, that it was easy. Because at the time, I, uh, it was really when I was dating, it was difficult. Uh, I didn't know whether I should tell men that I was a comedian. I thought that would be like a turnoff or scary for a lot of people. Um, 
yeah, I had a boyfriend who broke up with me because I was doing comedy. Like, I think he was like really afraid of me doing material about him on stage and like, just like, yeah. And also the whole, um, you know, maybe it's threatening to, to be funnier than somebody else or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was just like this common issue in my head or whatever. So it was kind of nice that I, I met a man through, <laughs> through stand-up that I didn't have to worry about. He just accepted me for what I was doing at the time. So it's like, perfect. That sort of sounds like the hetero girl version of gays who are drag queens in dating. They have a lot of or I, you know, from what I've heard, it's a similar thing of like, oh, is this guy going to be okay with this? That I'm like, you know, a star, yeah. essentially. Yeah, and the attention you receive and, yeah, not being uh, jealous or, you know. <laughs> um, let's go to number seven. Don't be intimidated by how sexy and funny and how, I'm sorry, by how smart and funny and beautiful and sexy and amazing I am. Or how this zine makes me look like a bitch that's too picky. <laughs> that's what I was just saying that, you know, I was trying to find somebody that, that could, you know, not, yeah, not be intimidated by, by what I chose to do. Um, yeah. Well, and also the funny thing is the title of the zine is Mary Van Note's Guide to Dating Mary Van Note by Mary Van Note. So yes. it is very like <laughs> about me. So you also say number eleven, do not fantasize about a life similar to a movie or book. Yeah. Uh it's, but especially if that book or movie is, I think it was like leaving Las Vegas. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, that that directly came from an ex-boyfriend who just really fantasized, like, did the whole, like, was so into the dark, brooding, like, tortured writer, like, fantasy of, like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, be friends with hookers and, you know, drink myself to death or whatever. And he thought that was so amazing, you know? So it's just kind of like... No, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. No. <laughs> you also say number 12, don't call yourself an artist or writer if you don't write or make art. Oh. And then your stick figure say, one says, I'm an artist. The other says, I go to Burning Man. Yeah, I think that was, I think that was one of my jokes in my stand-up that I kind of like put in there. Yeah, especially, I don't know if you guys in other parts of the country are aware of Burning Man's or how Burning Man used to be in 2006 or whatever. It was, um, it's definitely gotten more commercial, I think, since then. But at the time, it was such a, so many, there was just such a section of San Francisco type, like, I don't know what you call it. They're just burners, I don't know. But, like, just that idea of, like, them going to the desert once a year is what made them like an artist somehow. I don't know. <laughs> Number 16, love everything about me. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. If you're going to date me, you gotta, I don't know, be into it. So. <laughs> um, and your final page says, actually, this scene makes me look as bad as Bradley, which you um, say earlier, B, Bradley Weinberger. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I don't have any standards. If you couldn't tell, these are just things I didn't like in my past boyfriends. I'm such a bitch. 
<laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> for sure. There was, yeah, like that one ex who like just did not want me to do stand up. Uh, so I think he inspired some of that for sure. What um what made you start doing stand up and have you stopped or no? Yeah. Um so I did stand up for like close to 15 years. Um I started because um I went to college at UC Santa Cruz and they had a stand up comedy class and I think I took it at the time just being like oh that'll be a great way to meet you know other people and you know be fun. Uh I had like like watch stand up as a kid or whatever. And I think at my middle school, there was like a middle school talent show and I stole a comedian's full bit and just did that for the talent show. And it was this like super weird comedian who like wore a toaster uh, around his neck and he had like a, a, a fork and a knife or whatever. And he played a toaster and sang about toast. So, so I did that on stage. And um, so, yeah, I was into it and, was always into like more weird you know acts and stuff but yeah that class just really I just totally fell in love with stand-up and just really enjoyed it um so after I graduated I just went straight into like the San Francisco comedy scene um and performed a lot <laughs> so but yeah Lately, though, like I have I have a four year old daughter. Um, I also work in the industry now. So I I've for 10 years, I've worked for Live Nation comedy clubs. We have like four comedy clubs across the country. So I've I've always kind of been behind the scenes, too. And I think I just finally. Like the drive kind of dried up for me, like a. I like being at home, um, like the thought of like traveling, like having the, the comedian life of like actually a successful comedian or whatever, doing doing club dates every week. It's like, no thanks, I wouldn't. And also it's just kind of uh, sad to see, I almost feel bad for comedians now. It's like, you have to like be constantly coming up with content. You have to have TikTok, you have to have videos, you have to, you know, and also this comedians feeling like they have to have, have an hour every year and like, you know, it's just constant. And I, oh, it's, that's crazy. Like part of me stopping was that I got lazy with writing and I just could not, like I was doing material, I was doing material about dating after being married for a few years, you know, like, like I was pregnant and talking about dating, you know, it's like, this needs to <laughs> bad. So I just couldn't come up with generate the content to generate the jokes, you know, write the material. It's it's too bad. It's, sometimes I miss it. Like I'll see people on stage and it's it is that that aspect of it I do miss, but I do not miss the whole rat race of it. Like that's a tough, you, tough gig. But do you think like you could say so much about dating because it's so horrible, but then you like get with your husband, it was better. So there's like, like there's nothing, I think Jimmy found that there's nothing funny about someone doing well. Yes. Like I am happy with my life. And so what am I going to talk about? You know, it's like, I have plenty of stuff to 
to be, be angry about. Like, if if I could start over, it would be cool if I could somehow have the, <laughs> I just don't think I could do it, but I, it would be cool to be like a political comedian or something. Um, but I, it's so different from what I used to do that, um, yeah, that would be tough. But uh, yeah, it's true. I, it's like, I'm happy. I'm fine being like totally anonymous civilian and just like <laughs> not having, oh, that's the other thing, like not having, I feel so bad for women in comedy too. It's like so many stalkers all the time. Like you, I don't know a female headliner who doesn't have stalkers and it's, it's, it's really sad that that's the state of things, but it's, it's like, I, I had it too. When I was, um, even as somebody who's like a total nobody, like no one knows Mary Vano, but, uh, I still had stalkers, you know, it's like, um, you put yourself out there and it's like, you are allowing creepy weirdos to <laughs> try and contact you and show up at your shows and stuff. I didn't realize that that's such a prevalent thing. Oh yeah. I mean, just from, from small, you know, social media comments or whatever to straight up like, uh, bad you know like coming to shows and um yeah it can be so you know i work for the comedy clubs and sometimes we're often sent um information on people's stalkers ahead of shows just to make sure that we're aware and you know i can't think of that happening with male headliners it's always with the female headliners so it just sucks. It sucks that it's like comedy is hard enough, you know, like that they have to also be afraid to do it like in that way. It's that's really sad. So, um, what, do you, what do you think drives somebody to because it, people are so afraid of public speaking. They're so afraid of just like them and a mic in front of people. What I guess that this class was your gateway into that world. But even if someone didn't have a class or someone just picks it up, what do you think is the thing that propels them to do that? Uh, like having, it does, that's the thing. It does take somebody who you have to be, you do, you do have to be delusional. Like when you first start, you have to really believe that you're good at it when you're not. You know, like, that's crazy, but it's like, yeah, everyone's not good at when they start, but you, you have to get through that and keep going, keep working at it. So you kind of, I think it helped me to, to start at this, you know, very supportive kind of college environment. Um, Cause it, I, I could see it being more brutal for sure. And like just open mics and cities and stuff. I remember I, I went to New York and did an open mic right after college and it ruined me. Like I was like, it was so bad that I didn't do stand up for like months after that because it was just so brutal. New York uh, open mic. Oh, it was, it was, uh, yeah. So it's like, I could see how it'd be really tough for a lot of people to start in that environment. Do you remember your best set? Oh, that's a good question. 
Well, no, but but what comes to mind is my favorite stand-up story is that um, I was on a show, um, and afterwards, so there's total legendary comedian Mortsall was there. He hung out at this venue, and he's like the godfather of stand-up. Like people kind of credit him for starting stand-up because he at the time it. You know, at the time it was like, I don't know what, what, what they called it, the kind of comic with the tie and like it was very like vaudeville or whatever. And he was the first one to just come up on stage with the newspaper wearing a sweater and just like talking about the news and stuff. So just like very legendary comedian was there. And um, and then Robin Williams showed up. <laughs> and so Robin Williams hanging out because he wants to hang out with Morsal because he's like, that was also what was really cool is that Robin Williams was like so in love with stand-up for so long and and even like just what a supporter that he would come out and just want to hang out with comedians, you know? And after the show, um, we all went to like a restaurant afterwards and people from the audience, now Robin and Mort, they didn't perform, but the performers on the show were asked to like hang out with, the, with Robin and Mort and whatever. And people from the show arrived at the bar or whatever we were at and one woman came up to me in this full table of like legendary people right came up just to me put her hands on my shoulder and said you were really funny tonight like basically like <laughs> complimenting me in front of everybody and then Robin Williams like after she left he's like oh what was that what did she I'm like oh she liked my set, you know, <laughs> like, so that was just like the most awesome thing that happened was like somebody coming up to me and not, not Robin Williams or Morsal or anybody else and just showering me with attention, which was, of course, she came back later when she realized Robin Williams was at the table and then, <laughs> but I leave that out because that part of the story. <laughs> When you talk about what makes it so challenging for comedians, I was anticipating you bringing up the political climate or having to like account for more things, quote unquote, than maybe people did prior. Do you think that that's a legitimate concern or do you think that it's like only a concern for people who are like socially unaware? Afraid of being canceled for something you say on stage. Um, yeah, I feel like the type of comedy I like, those people would never, it wouldn't be something that they would worry about because they, they don't broach those like weird. Um, but also I'm lucky to live in an area where, you know, it's very accepting and, you know, um, of, of everybody. So, so yeah, I wouldn't, I'm just lucky where I am that, that I feel like that doesn't happen where we, where we are. If you had to do a set tomorrow, what would you write about? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's the tough thing. Hey, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. So it's <laughs> not like, <laughs> um, people always say, but but you have so much you can you write about now that you have a daughter and everything, you know, like a preschooler. And yeah, my kid says some funny things sometimes, but it's not, you know, uh, 
it's it's hard work to come up with material. I was not the stand-up that could just, I'm not on all the time. I can't, um, I was never like a crowd work person or anything like that. Like my material is very planned out, theatrical. Um, I did, I liked having kind of weird, elaborate bits and stuff um, that were really fun to do, but um yeah but I'd go back to like you know if I if I was somehow a different comedian <laughs> and had the could do it I would try to do political comedy I think I would try to you know because it's it's so important I feel like you know yeah the climate that we're in right now like we need to push back on a lot of that and you know expand people's that's a great thing about comedy is like I kind of feel like you you can if everyone was forced to watch people of different perspectives um talk about you know their issues or whatever I feel like we would have a better understanding of humanity and like just being more empathetic to everybody um so so that part is really beautiful to me like if if everyone could just watch comedy every month, watch some, some, um, some local, like I, I, I urge everyone to try and seek out their local uh, comedy scene and just support them. Like just support them sometimes. That would be nice. <laughs> Are there skills that you learned doing stand-up that you feel like you've carried to other parts of your life? Well, yeah, I was thinking about it. It was, it's very, I mean, talk about a confidence builder, like it really does instill confidence, you know, and um, spe yeah, speaking, public speaking, like I can give tips, like it's, I can do that, you know? <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I, but confidence is a big one. I think especially right out of college, you're still like a total baby, you know, like you're young um, and, uh, it for me too I was honestly comedy was a way for me to grapple with you know like I grew up Catholic and just like you know had all this issues surrounding sex and so it really was a way for me to work through all that on stage and you know yeah <laughs> Mary Van Note, I'm so happy that I found your zine and thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. It really uh, made my day to see, see you message me. <laughs>